welcome to Gravedigger Radio Podcast, broadcasting live from the afterlife. This is Gravedigger Radio. Alright guys, this is Zach in the studio, hanging out with Mike and Jason. We got something a little special for you today, but before we get going, I want to give a big thank you to Chastity from our own Lexington, Kentucky for buying us a beer. She supplied us with the, what is it, Rogue Brewery, or Rogue? Rogue, yeah, Rogue Brewery. The Rogue Brewery Bat Squatch. It's the same same uh, brewery that makes like the Dead Guy stuff, right? Oh, okay, like, was it like Voodoo Ranger or something? I think that's like all that? Too, yeah. Okay, yeah. Do they, they make Purple Haze? I have no idea. You guys are talking to somebody that is not a beer guy. Greatly do appreciate uh, people that send us beer to, to try and, and different things to support the podcast. As you know, this podcast is at least 40% alcohol by volume. Homegrown. So. Homegrown, homebrewed. <laughs> In some cases, literally. Yeah. Ah, uh, shoo. Y'all know I'm not a beer guy, but man, that, that IPA goodness right As there. As IPAs go, I'm okay with this. Uh, man, I don't, I don't like beer, but uh, an IPA, you know what IPA stands for, don't you? If pine cones were alcohol. That's about right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the people that like IPAs, I imagine the day after Christmas is like their favorite holiday. Where everybody's <laughs> throwing out all those like live pine trees out there and they're yeah. just running down the road just taking bites of they're them. Just licking them. Trying to distill that shit into something that's drinkable. Licking them in the gutter. No, thank you. All right, Jason. So, kick us off here, man. What we got going on today? Um, we're going to start a, a probably a, a long series. and This is going to lead us all the way up into our Halloween episodes. About horror films. You know, we've been doing this podcast for about a year now. This is yeah. kind of our anniversary. Right. Yeah, right at it. Right at the end of August of, of last year's when we started. So we thought it'd be a cool idea because, I don't know, as soon as the, the pumpkin spice starts to flow and, you know, the temperatures cool a little bit, I start thinking about Halloween and most people like to sit down with a good horror movie, Halloween night, you know, hand out the candy, do the popcorn, whatever your thing is. So I thought it'd be really cool if we could do a deep dive into the horror film and uh, the horror genre as a whole. And to that end, I have brought in from the University of Kentucky Dr. Thomas Marksberry, who is a professor in the Department of Writing, Rhetoric, and Digital Studies. He teaches classes, a lot of documentary films, but also the rhetoric of horror, which is extremely popular, um, where he teaches a full semester class about horror films and what they have to say beyond just being spooky. <laughs> And it's a great class. I've taken it once and sat through it two more times on top of that because I can't get enough of this stuff. So we brought um, Dr. Marksbury in to talk about the horror genre, what it is, what it ain't, and just to educate us all a little bit and to um, raise the impression of horror in general because it's not all blood and guts, right? It's There's some there's more to it than that. We're here to say. raise awareness. Yes. It doesn't have to be just dumb fun. So are, are we basically doing an episode here that's like a horror genre PSA and... Yes. And put it together. I like that. I mean, if that were my take on it, yes. I would say it's more than just spooky things and, and blood on the floor. There, there's a lot that goes into it. Right. So, that will be my first question to the esteemed Dr. Marksbury is, what is horror? What is the genre? How would you define it? Well, uh, just a second on what it isn't, because I think people that avoid horror are misinformed that it is uh, inherently... Uh, adolescent, misogynistic, racist, homophobic, you know, what ha what have you, that is sort of built to cater to 12-year-old heterosexual white boys <laughs> who have held it together long enough. And, and that uh, even when I teach, I think you come in with the uh, 
students have the expectations. Well, that didn't scare me, or I can I can stand something scarier than you can, or that it, it's some kind of uh, yeah competition. And all that, I mean, not that there isn't an essence of truth as there is to most cliches to some of that, but all that really gets in the way of understanding that it's a spectrum where it, it moves from just uh, sheer scattershot, you know, body scare. You know, there's an old saying about genres that it ought to produce some kind of physical reaction and that horror would make you cringe. Mm-hmm. You know, melodrama makes you cry. Or you figure out for yourself what pornography does. <laughs> and at its, you know, sort of bottom basement level, horror is good for that. And I don't, some some good movies have come out of that aesthetic. And, and sort of some of the great movies spill over into that. Well, didn't Stephen King even say that sometimes you just go for the good old-fashioned gross-out? Yeah, he started trying to <laughs> distinguish that. And, and he's been guilty of all those levels of it but king at his best i would count in this area that i'm most interested in which is uh dread and i think dread is different from other kinds of anxieties and it's almost uh a manifestation of awe which i understand is almost a religious reaction and so i'm here to make some incredibly lofty reckless uh pointed headed pointing headed claims about this (laughs) art form so one question, though, that I do have is when you say a, a body scare, like what exactly is a, a body scare? I don't think I know the term. Well, I was searching for the term jump scare. So oh, okay. Me. Thanks for... Uh, it's this know, thing it's, growing uh, out of my uh, inner thigh. It's, uh, <laughs> it's the lowest common denominator. Yeah, if something just and, pops on screen you weren't expecting, it makes you physically react, right? Yes. Just a, a spook. And you're going to forget that the next day. That's the way to measure it. Mm. Whereas I think a lot of horror that people leave and think, well, that was a long, slow burn, and there wasn't enough gore in it, and there weren't enough effects. That's another thing. The whole thing gets judged by the quality of the effects. And while yeah. I, I can't deny that that's a part of what you're watching and a part of the history of it, that that bores me to tears judging yeah. movies. Vampire is one of the scariest movies I've ever seen. It was made in 1932. Mm. And what, what about that movie that made it so, like, so scary? Vampire, there's a whole like 10 second uh, first person point of view to it where you are attacked by the vampire, buried, put <laughs> into a coffin with a glass, one of those beautiful glass windows that you always see in coffins in Roger Corman movies. Too. Uh-huh. And you watch as the funeral procession goes down the road and eventually they're throwing the dirt on the on the coffin and all of that is is you because that's what horror does you can't just safely watch this as a spectator you're a participant in it you're culpable in what happens and you've got you know skin in the game and and something at stake here yeah you're freaking me out now i just can't safely watch it because i think yeah the best horror films are the ones that put you in the place of if not the victim, at least it puts you in the reality that something could happen to you along those same lines. Yeah, there's got to be some danger to it. And I mm-hmm. think people that like quote-unquote inferior horror movies, there's the professor and me coming out again, mm-hmm. are able to just safely... I take no comfort in seeing 17 promiscuous teenagers getting put on a meat hook. I don't know any of them. I don't, I don't really give a shit what happens to them. When you say that the inferior horror movies like that, for me, it's always uh, Final Destination. 
Yeah. Those are the ones That's that always come to mind. Yeah. I hate those movies with a yeah. fiery passion. I think they're like the worst <laughs> horror movies. I mean, that's ama- Amateur Night and Dixie. That's for people that don't really <laughs> understand horror movies anyway. I mean, then it was Friday the Thirteenth for me. I never, I never enjoyed yes. them. Right, even we're, the first one is. Yeah, is I, not, I, I never enjoyed uh, them. We're of a similar age. We grew up on that. The, the slasher, the the golden age of slasher films. I guess you may call it in the late seventies and eighties. Even though some of those weren't bad. No, Halloween, to a lesser degree, was, was pretty good. No, and the, this leads me to my next point. I think Halloween is one of the greatest horror movies ever made. Yeah, the original, right? On its own. 1980 the first one. or 81? Yeah. yeah. And Halloween 3 is grievously underrated and misunderstood, but that's another story. I'll have to talk about that. My, my, uh, my point is that um, every time you say, I like this, I like psychological horror, I don't like slasher movies. Mm-hmm. And then 10 slasher movies come to mind that are at the peak of their form and are, are well worth looking at if you can just lift them out of the detritus and morass of the, the rest of them. Mm-hmm. It's like all the rest of the bad films drag them down. Yes, and horror films are more inconsistent than any other oh, genre. Yeah. <laughs> you can pick up a horror film and have absolutely no clue as to the quality of it. Mm. And in the 80s, a lot of those cheapy exploitation movies turned out to be genius. And a lot of those big budget movies like The Omen and all that stuff are, are absolutely worthless no matter who's in it or how much it costs. Well, you kind of answered one of the questions I was getting ready to ask there. You know, we were talking about like the, the gross out, the over-the-top, people even put on meat hooks. Where do you think like the grindhouse exploitation movies kind of fit in with, with some of that horror stuff? It's crucial, and it's crucial as an influence, too. And to deny that that's part of the equation is too too clever by half. For one thing, it's inherently comic. Well, Evil Dead 2, I would rank as one of the greatest horror movies ever made. <laughs> and it wouldn't exist without Grindhouse. Horror as an aesthetic to work out of and as something that you could point to to get the thing financed. But, but see, every time you say something, there's an exception. So in general, I'm inclined to low budgets, which means that you can't depend on a lot of special effects and you can't depend on CGI. And you've got to be clever to come up uh, with ways to generate horror that doesn't cost a lot of money. But would that rule out The Shining? Probably one of the most expensive horror movies ever made. It's probably one of the best, too. I would say so. So, you you know, people just tend to generalize about horror. You know, women don't like it. This, well, I teach horror all the time, and women love it uh, as, as much as anybody else. They're, they're just, everybody has such a different notion of what it is, and everybody has such a different set of standards that they bring to it. We were just saying off air, right, Zach? Yeah, uh, that's one of the big <laughs> things that we were talking about. You know, you say women don't like horror, but I know tons and tons, way more women that talk about horror and are more into it than, than a lot of guys. And, you know, going through the analytics and the data of this podcast, our listenership is like 90% women. So yeah. a huge thank you to all the because they haven't seen us in person. True. I will say, <laughs> I have a face for radio. So it's a huge thank you to, to all the, the spooky, creepy women out there that just love our podcast and, and write in and send us stuff. And we greatly appreciate you guys. That's perfect, Zach. Thank you, spooky, creepy women. Yeah, yeah they, it's a compliment. I mean, in a, in, in a flattering tone. Well, there's a lot of female directors down there. There's been an awfully mm. lot of uh, very, very pointedly feminist uh, 
and I'm sure uh, my MAGA friends would say anti-white male horror that I think has been a long time coming and, and is much appreciated by this white man. My number one, like, head and shoulders above the rest favorite horror film is a feminist horror film. We'll talk about that probably later on. So, and, and you can use horror to get into all kinds of weird places, and it's flexible and it evolves with time so that a lot of you all are probably familiar with the original Candyman, which was kind of a classic of the 90s. Mm-hmm. And then uh, here's another thing. I used to be such a snob about quote-unquote remakes or reboots, or but there's such a thing as a reimagining, and Candyman 2 is every bit as... Not Candyman 2, I'm sorry. It's also called Candyman. It's not one of the terrible sequels to that brilliant movie, but it's a version by... Ava Acosta, I think her name is, which reimagines the racial politics of the whole movie from a completely different direction, and it echoes the original, and it recognizes the original, but it almost exists as a perfect uh, parallel to it. Uh, Other genres don't work that way, and so people that complain, for instance, I like The Ring better than the Japanese Rangu which ordinarily on a pretentiousness scale would put me on the wrong side of, uh, you know, wrong side of the conversation. I'm not sure if I've seen the Japanese. I, I know yeah. I have, but I can't remember. It's good. Yeah, it's I've, good. I've not seen it. But the, uh, so there, you know, and that doesn't absolve the 21st century of all kinds of unnecessary yeah. remakes and all kinds of, uh, you know, if eight out of 10, let's say six out of 10 horror movies are just bad. Mm-hmm. Two or three horror movies out of ten are really interesting and worth looking at, and one of them is just a real, you know, something you want to keep thinking about for the rest of your life. That's pretty high odds, I think. That's better odds than you're going to get out of a James Bond movie. Yeah, but I say action. I mean, that's a pretty crappy genre in general. Or the action is the genre that ate up all the other genres. Yeah. Yeah. Just to be clear, like you're talking about the Candyman that just came out like a week ago, maybe. Yeah. As, as and a, everybody's been waiting for it for a year and a half. Yeah, as as the time of our recording, it probably came out a week ago. And you're saying that um, horror can be a vehicle for other things. It's like a, a genre that can pick up a topic like racial politics and drag it along with it to make some really good points about that other topic. Even though horror is the vehicle, yeah. it's, it, it's a useful one. And in, in good horror, it, it it's a... It's a snug fit, mm-hmm. you know, and you don't feel like you're being preached to, and you don't feel like it's a didactic text. Right. And it's hard can be remarkably, for such a self-conscious uh, mode, it can be remarkably unselfconscious about things like that. And so it's, it's real easy to trace. You know, there's that old word, it sounds like a gazoon-type uh, zeitgeist. Yeah. Zeitgeist. And it means kind of, you know, the national mood. How do, how do we all feel these few years? Well, think mm. about how we all feel right now. And I think that <laughs> begins to explain why horror is really entering what looks like it might be another golden age here. Do you think horror, like kind of as I was talking about, like it picks, you can pick up things with it and deliver a message and, and not be overhanded, you know, about it. Do you think it is kind of a... A numbing effect or like you go along for the ride with horror then you get taught something on the side or at least shown something on the side 
like Get Out would be a great example. You think you've gone yeah. to see a horror movie, but you're actually being exposed again to racial topics. And it's got to work at both levels. And mm-hmm. Jordan Peele, I think every time out that he's done his own movie instead of just producing something, right, has proved to be a genius at making both those things work in layers. Because if they don't both work, then the risk you run is that neither one of them will probably work. How can you be that brilliant a filmmaker and be that damn funny, too? Yeah. <laughs> He's, uh, I mean, I, I wish he'd stay out of the Twilight Zone reboots and all this stuff that he's just putting his name on. Yeah. But uh, I think Get Out Us and, and now he had a part in the script of Candyman really have established him as, as the, the guy to look at. And the, and the funniness never gets in the way of the scares, never mm-hmm. gets in the way of the politics. He had a funny quote. He said he made Get Out to uh, say that everything is about race, and then he made us to say that everything is not about race. And it feels <laughs> like he made his point both times. That's awesome. So here's like the, maybe the stupidest question I've ever asked in the year of podcasting. Impossible. Does, does, oh, this is, wow. Okay, because that's a high bar. Impossible. Well, does horror have to be scary? No. Ooh. Absolutely not. That's a quick answer. Uh, and that's another... You know, misconception that a lot of my students have that I try to break down as quickly as possible. I think scary, again, there's scary, anxious, uh, terrified, uh, abjection. Uncomfortable. There there are so many many places to stop on that spectrum. So, for example, like Sophie's Choice? Could be a horror movie. Yeah. Schindler's List. Yeah. You know, falling into that genre. I mean, uh, talk about trivializing something. Horror has really uh, used Nazis a lot as sort of, you know, plug-in monsters. Yeah, like the keep. Uh, yeah. Michael Mann would like to take that back. I, think. <laughs> I was thinking about um, a movie that you, you teach in your course, Persona. Um, right. Maybe it's not horror. Most people might not no. think of it as horror. It's an art film. It's, yeah. an, it's an art film, and uh, but you've said, I think, that it's the greatest lesbian vampire, psychic lesbian vampire film ever made. <laughs> Without any lesbians or vampires. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and I do feel like you've got to be oh, flexible when what you... What the hell is in this beer? Uh, Bergman made another film, Hour of the Wolf, that I would also claim is a horror film. Oh, that sounds good just by the title uh, alone. Another Bergman film uh, was the basis for Last House on the Left. Oh. So uh, Fellini made a great Edgar Allan Poe adaptation called Toby Dammit. So you don't get that sort of, you know, arts over here and horrors over here. You've got all kinds of things happening in that liminal zone uh, between them. I'm amazed that, like, if you were to make one of, like, a Zen diagram... Am I saying that right? Uh, a Venn diagram? Venn diagram. A, a, a Zen diagram. I think I can make a Zen diagram, <laughs> especially if you give me some of that purple haze beer. I haven't had that in 40 years. <laughs> Everybody just chill in the diagram. Venn diagram. Like, Horde is just it's all around all this stuff. Like, you can take it all in. Yeah. Depending on how creative you want to get, whether it's an art film or a splatterhouse film or whatever, it can use that and, and, and cover all these other bases, too. It's a, it's a phenomenal... It's it's an amazing genre. So, like, Mamma Mia could possibly fall into that. That is genre. definitely a horror film. Yeah. You know, it depends on what you're scared of. <laughs> and uh, I'm pretty scared of... Bad uh, musicals. Of uh, ABBA. Yeah. Yeah, ABBA. 
If there's a ghost in my basement, I'm going to hang around. If Abba's in my basement, I am gone. But I think, for instance, uh, family dysfunction as a mm. subject goes way back in horror, and we could track it on through. But in the last 20 years, it's been all over the place. And the most frightening movies, Hereditary, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. The Babadook, yep. you know, on, on and on fighter. and on. There's, there's, uh, the point I keep trying to make is nobody's scared of Frankenstein anymore. Nobody's scared of the Wolfman. I'm scared and, of the concept behind Frankenstein. That, uh, the, those movies hold up, but you have to keep evolving. And I don't think any, uh, you know, Freddy Krueger turned into this sort of action character. You could buy mm. one down at Kmart, which is what Wes Cra- Craven's new nightmare. That's why that's the best Freddy Krueger movie. It's all about the merchandising of it. <laughs> but, uh, but what you're really scared of is what about dad? What about my son? What's the matter with the unborn baby? And when you get into this, what Freud called the family romance and the family dynamic, and you're unsure what the loyalties of those people are. Hmm. Uh, and I, I guess what I'm driving at here is I'm a lot more afraid of myself than anything else outside me. And when horror can make me think about what I'm afraid of in myself and confront it, you know, and, and sort of inoculate me against it. Larry Cohen called horror movies boot camp in the sense that you... You know, life is scary enough, and, mm-hmm. and parents make a point of protecting their children against anything that's going to bother them, uh, in which case you can end up with, you know, we get them at UK, these 18-year-old kids, and they've never uh, seen anything wrong or done anything wrong, and then they're dead before school starts. They don't make it through orientation. You know, you, you've got to sort of uh, dip dip your feet in, into this uh process and it's not necessarily just evil or corruption it's just uh, a lot lack of innocence and an awareness of where the threats in the world are and now, uh, uk is going to step in and censor our podcast yeah i was gonna say there goes my tenure <laughs> i'll say they're, they're they're gearing up the legal team right now uh, as we speak is uh, that a helicopter yeah. <laughs> I just I just think if you get to college and you've never had a cigarette or a sip of beer, you're going to have a hard time. You're going to have a hard time. Yep. And maybe well, you ought to watch a couple of horror movies. Well, so the college out. experience could be horror. Oh, yeah. Oh, the college experience uh, is absolutely horror. As so, someone who's in grad school, yeah. that's my personal hell. Oh, An- no, Animal House is yeah. horror? No, there's a there's a million of those. The the yeah, academic horror movie. Don't don't get me started there. I am the academic. Ooh, horror. the faculty. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. so the the question becomes: Are you the monster or are you the protagonist? Well, both. In fact, I'm I'm uh, trying to write a screenplay about teaching horror and what that does to you over the course of fifty years or so. So uh, it's called "There Is Nothing Wrong with Your Set." So we'll see if we get that done. So that's actually something, now that you've mentioned it, it's kind of a question that came to me. As someone who sat there and, and broke down these horror movies and examined them and, and really just kind of inundated yourself with the genre, do you think it's kind of had like any effects on you as a person, like kind of shaped your mind or shaped your like worldviews or personality at all? Yeah, but it's a cause and effect kind of chicken and the egg thing. Um, I like to tell my classes, when I was eight, eight, nine, ten, uh... No interest in sports. Famous monsters of film land, Castle of Frankenstein, geek. Built all the universal little models of monsters. Mm-hmm. 
pretended to be Dracula on the playground, scared all the little girls. <laughs> My Sunday school teacher, uh, in fact, I would get like the Hammer films, you'd get like an eight millimeter, like 10 minute version of the end of uh, Horror of Dracula where Peter Cushing, that, that ultimate Dracula execution scene. And I would show those with my my friends. We'd watch them in my mother's sewing room. You know, and my uh, my Sunday school teacher came to my parents and said, "This is bad. You've got to stop this. He's just way into these horror movies, and and you must uh, ban them." And to their everlasting credit, they said, "No. You know, he likes this stuff, and it makes him happy." and we think it's probably good for him in some kind of way we can't understand, which strikes me as pretty progressive for my father would have been like 65 years old in 1967 or something to come back at the Sunday school teacher with that. Well, and, they, and they were right, you know, and that, that has shaped me. And then I found a way to pursue that under a more, uh, had a more academic alibi perhaps for the same adolescent shenanigans. Well, that, that throws me into a question. I mean, actually, by showing negative consequences, can't horror films sometimes be kind of moralizing? Oh, it is. It's the most, uh, not only moralizing, it's just downright puritanical somewhat. So, yeah, and, sometimes and to, to an extreme almost. punitive yeah. level. Yeah, it's too much. Those slasher much. movies are, for sure. Right, you're having sex in the woods, and all of a sudden yeah. some guy comes along and ties you up in your, suit, or in your sleeping bag and bashes you against a tree. Um, Depends on what you're into. The moral though. of the story is don't be having sex in the woods, you promiscuous little hoe. <laughs> I was going to yeah. say, I was like, some people might be into being tied up in the sleeping bag and bashing. Well, Zach, your personal life doesn't have any bearing on the podcast content. But. <laughs> this is this is about Tom, Zach. Fair enough, fair enough. No, I think if, if uh, furthermore, I think it breaks into sort of right-wing, left-wing, Christian, pagan, you know, sort of splits down the, the middle of various moral categories. For instance, without giving the ending of The Wicker Man away exactly, but I feel like most people have seen it, if, if this is the original Wicker Man without Nicolas Cage, go yeah. back to the beginning. And um, if that cop hadn't been such a smug little prick <laughs> and so self-righteous and so quick to judge all those pagans on the island, uh, and if he'd just opened his door when Brett Eklund wanted him to, he would have been fine. And and that's that makes that a more left-wing progressive movie because the moral of it is loosen up, don't get too hung up on preserving your virginity, and uh, you'll you'll have you'll get more out of life, you know. Whereas <laughs> The Exorcist, which is also a great movie, uh, the takeaway from that seems to me to be if you're a Hollywood actress, you're probably in too rarefied a culture to pay attention to your young teenage daughter who's on the edge of puberty and you're smoking pot at a party and naturally she's going to turn into this the minute she gets her uh, menstrual cycle. She's going to turn into the devil herself because you need to control your little girl. And you should bring in a bunch of men from the Catholic Church that don't know a goddamn thing about well, sex to begin one with. One old one and one young one. Uh, I mean, that's that's just as conservative a message as you you can get. And it's uh, ideology is everywhere. If you dig deep enough into a film, you get it. And in horror, it tends to float to the surface pretty 
pretty quickly. Now, as as a father who has <laughs> is in the process of raising two girls, one of them is complete. They are going to vomit pea soup as soon it, it's going to happen. Well, keep the crucifix away from them, for God's sake. I, I greatly enjoy the fact that you were able to reduce the entire Exorcist movie into a chick track from the 1980s, like Satanic Panic. That's awesome. <laughs> But there you've got horror taking in the con- again the family dynamics and the coming of age of a young woman and how it's not handled properly and becomes a horror topic or at least horror is the vehicle to deliver a message. Yeah, and I uh, most people don't think that deeply about horror, right? No, and that, I think that uh, the fact that it's so disreputable and and disrespected and underestimated is what makes it so sneaky and so powerful, and I think. Mm-hmm. despite the fact that I wish it were a little bit better appreciated, I think that's how it gets in under people's sort of moral radar. You know, Haunting of Hill House, huge hit on Netflix. The original movie's great. Mm-hmm. Brought back Shirley Jackson's career. There's an interesting movie called Shirley. Yeah, that's uh, that's, that's that's worth checking out. It's controversial because it, it's a complete fabrication i mean it's a horror movie about shirley jackson who as far as i know was not an actual witch but this movie would have you think so you never know i feel like we've just like scratched the surface here uh guys uh, i think we need to wrap up this episode but man this is a topic we can uh, prime for a lot more information going forward oh absolutely so is there, is there going to be a test right yes. yeah this there will an We're, essay uh, test yeah so please um, take out a piece of paper and you get your number two pencils ready and, and send in your answers to, to Gravedigger Radio. But guys, this is just, like we said, scratching the surface. This is going to be a multi-part series. We're gearing up to our favorite time of year. We're gearing up towards Halloween. We're getting ready for spooky season. All the fun things, you know, all the, all the creepy stuff. So what better thing to talk to you guys about than horror movies and the horror genre for this month? Also, speaking of horror and scary things, we're going to be out at Scarefest. That's October 22nd through 24th here in Lexington, Kentucky. We're going to have it set up so you guys can actually come be part of the show, tell us some of your stories, and just, just hang out with us. We would love to meet our fans out there and, and hopefully meet some new people as well. So come by the booth, maybe buy some merchandise, sit down and talk with us. And if you like what we're doing here at the podcast and you want to help us keep doing it, head over to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Gravedigger Radio. Be sure to join us next time for another spooky tale.